there and welcome to the Big Apple School podcast, the weekly English show where we speak about everything under the sun. The major goal of this show is to help you improve your English and of course, learn something new. My name's Katja, I'm a host and today with me, Maria and Ben. Dear listeners, you know that we here at Big Apple School believe that the sky's the limit and we want to make our podcast even better. But unfortunately, we cannot do that without your help. So could you please subscribe to our pages on Apple, Yandex, Google or any platform where you listen to our podcast and let us know what you think. How do you think we can become even better? What can we improve? What do you like or dislike about our show? So rate and review our podcasts, give us stars, leave comments, you can ask questions and you can even send your ideas about our next episodes. It will not take much time or effort, right? But it will help us a lot. Isn't that so? Isn't that right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, Maria, Benjamin, I haven't seen you for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's yeah. it been? What have you been up to? Been enjoying the rain, enjoying the, yeah, the cold rain before the hot summer comes. Doesn't it feel like Britain? It does feel a lot like Britain. <laughs> it feels like home. <laughs> yeah. Just close your eyes, ignore the, you know, the dust and whatever Russian being spoken around. You can, you know. And only three or four more days of cold showers at home. <laughs> Oh, Marsha, yeah. what about you? What have you been up to? Uh, well, working as usual, yeah. I, I, I don't know, n- nothing uh, like special. Well, I have, I think I have come through my uh, allergy period. So now it's over almost. And yeah, well, I'm happy about it. Is that hay fever you suffer from? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm allergic to birch trees. Oh, that's... Oh, yeah. and we have plenty of those. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> like a Russian person is allergic to like the, the genuine Russian thing. <laughs> I mean, Aww. can you drink um, birch tree juice? With uh, yours of your sock, can you drink that? I just uh, don't drink it because I don't like it. And uh, <laughs> it tastes so good. I tried it for the first time. It doesn't one. taste at all. <laughs> yeah, it, no, you, you can't. I mean, you can taste it, can't you? Cassia? Yeah. Well, yeah. I have tasted it like several times. I mean, my, I love it. It's actually, great, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, my mom and my sister, they got like a whole um, like two liter jar <clears throat> full of it. Like, do you want some? I'm like, I'm not really a fan of it. Oh, if I had known that you were a fan of it, Benjamin, oh, I, I yeah, would have I brought it. it all to you. At first, I thought it was really strange because I tried horse milk previously a few, like a month <laughs> ago, and I thought it was going to be something strange like horse milk, but it turned out to be really nice. <sighs> Birch milk. Birch milk, yeah. Not as strange as horse yeah. milk. Well, Benjamin's adventures in Russia. Yes. All right. And I just a week ago um, finished, well, not I finished, but the semester uh, finally finished at the university where I'm teaching. And to those who do not know, uh, I teach Russian at a at a university in the US. I mean, at mm-hmm. an American university, because now I'm in Russia. So, and um, while I was teaching and while, you know, I was going through all of that struggling with Russian from students, I realized that that would make a cool episode of the podcast. So to talk about languages, to talk about Ben's experience with Russian, because I, you know, I see my students suffering and I was wondering whether you have gone through the same thing. So... Why don't here we are. And here we are, yes, to talk about languages. So, and I think the first question that I want to ask you is, what languages do you actually speak? Well, it depends what you mean by speak. This has always been a huge debate uh, between yeah. people who like languages. When so, I teach my students and they're like, when, I'm, when am I going to start speaking a language? I'm like... From the very first lesson, you are speaking. If you say hello and my name is in a language, it's like you speak it. So then I <laughs> then I probably speak three apart from Russian, which is my mother tongue, like German, French and English. I mean, I'm able, oh. to, I'm able to say hello, uh, ask about the person's name, maybe order something in a restaurant, like, well, in of, French, in French and in German, in German. But of course, I'm not able to like study at university there. Yeah. Yeah. So English, you are... I'm an English teacher, so, so yeah, English is English. And did you do German at school? I did French at school and I did German at university. Like uh, five oh, years of French cool. at school and three years of uh, German at university, mm-hmm. which is my like second language. So it's like my major is English. and uh, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. 
Ben, what about you? Well, when you say speak, obviously we have, this is a huge debate. So we have debates about fluency. Okay, let's, Flu- l- let me rephrase the question then. What is your situation with languages and on what level maybe, what can you do in certain languages? So I have a solid knowledge of a few languages. It's a hobby of mine, learning languages. So um, I, I was born in Brazil and when I was, yeah, when I grew up there, I had a really good knowledge of Portuguese. And then I moved to the UK. In the UK, French is taught at school. so I learned, Oh, really? Is it? Yeah, most schools teach French or Spanish. So I learned a lot of French and then I started learning Italian and... Italian, and you majored yeah. in Italian and Russian. Yeah, Italian and Russian. And also at school, I did a bit of Mandarin. So I don't speak, I can't say I speak, like, well, I could hold like a very, 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 very basic conversation in Chinese, mm-hmm. but yeah. And then I also um, started learning a bit of Spanish. And my favorite language, other than Russian, is Dutch. So oh, you, can, you can yeah. hold a conversation like in Dutch. Languages. Yeah, I mean, a, a basic conversation. I'm not saying I can speak. Masha, I think we can just amazing, stand up and leave, you know. Yes, but, we could. But, but who, who is going to ask questions to, is to, it, to our polyglot? Yeah. <laughs> ben well, can well, just, you, speak, you speak German, so that is uh, somewhat related uh, to Dutch. Like, I, 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 I don't... Well, let's maybe uh, uh, use this um, Sefer, um, what, um, measurements, yes? Like A1, A2, B1. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that might because I guess most of our listeners more or less understand these um, terms, yes. Yeah. And as for my German, I guess I'm A2. Yeah. And as for my French, I guess I'm A1. So yeah. I don't know if it counts as yeah, speaking. Exactly. So most of my languages are within like the A2 kind of bracket. Yeah, but not Italian and Russian. Well, Russian, I could definitely more than get by in Russian, but it's still it's still a work in progress. And you know, I think no matter how long you have been learning any foreign language, yeah. it's always a work in progress. Yeah, you'll never. Yeah, I mean, your English is impeccable. It really is. But yeah, it takes like years, if not decades. I mean, to... look, I have been learning English uh, for the last. 13, 14 years, 13 maybe, I, I'd say. And I still, every single day, there are words I do not know. There are concepts I do not know how to explain all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think this will ever Yes, yeah, it will never end. stop. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you have uh, Italian, Russian on a really good level that you can... Yeah, it's like it's in the B area. It's in the B area. So, Yeah. And then, yeah, all the other languages, or Portuguese, I'd say, is in the B area as well, Mm -hmm. because I grew up with that. But the problem is, is my Italian and French kind of messed up my Portuguese, because Mm. all all the Romance languages are somewhat connected. And, yeah. Which language language, um, came first, let's say, French or Italian? Or Portuguese. Okay, but after Portuguese, was it French or was it Italian? It was French, yeah, because French, that yeah, you're taught that from a very young age in England. So did that help you to learn Italian? Because French somewhat. and Italian, they, they have similarities. Yes, yeah, somewhat. So for instance, in French, you have the verb manger, which is to eat, and in Italian, you have mangiare. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are many similarities, yeah. And then what about Portuguese and Spanish? Portuguese and Spanish are very close. It's easier to learn Spanish if you speak Portuguese than it is for Spanish people to learn Portuguese. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Russians trying to learn Polish and Polish people trying to learn Russian. So it's easier for Polish people to learn Russian than it is yeah. the other way. Yeah, because if you're a Russian and you try to learn Polish, it's going to be, oh God, it's, yeah, it's a nightmare. It's yeah. really difficult. Yeah. Oh, Have, wow. have you tried no, but I have friends who had to learn Polish because they um, they wanted to have this, uh, I, I think it's called like Polska Karta. Mm-hmm. So when you had, um, let's say, great grandparents who were Polish and then you ended up in Russia, you can uh, actually get this Karta mm-hmm. or whatever okay. it's called yeah. in English. Does Polish belong to the Slavic group of languages? Yeah, it's a Slavic language. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, that's, that's so strange because when I was preparing for the podcast uh, and I uh, googled like the most difficult languages to learn, uh, yeah, of course it depends on uh, who you are, like a Russian person or uh, an English-speaking person, but uh, Polish was... The language there, in, a, in, the, in the most lists. There's a lot of similarities. So, for instance, the Polish word for lake is jezera, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and in Russian Ozira. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I'm they surprised why it is so difficult because it should yeah. be similar to Russian. I think uh, it's because of their case system and also the pronunciation. They have a lot of sounds that are difficult to pronounce one after another. So because they have a lot of these sh 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 sounds yeah. and the spelling as well. That that mm-hmm. also adds to to the list of reasons why. Yeah. Wow. So what about you, by the way? Well, of course, I speak Russian. Yeah. yeah. Do, I mean, do you know any Yakutian? The Yakutian dialect. Oh God! Oh God! I, I I know only some words, and it was really fun to teach some um, some Russians the word for goodbye. Because you know they ask like, what's what's the what's the Yakutian for goodbye? And you say kursuakhedieri. They're like, <laughs> forget about it. But yeah, I know I know English. Um, I can hold a conversation in Spanish. Cool. So, but you know, some basic conversation. And I remember when I first came to, to, to the very first class, you know, I had in Spanish and my, my teacher asked me, so do you know anything? And I said, well, I know how to say, hi, my name is, I'm from, and I would like to get some wine, please. She's like, <laughs> You're ready to go. Wherever you can you get by. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So let's say when I was in the US and, um, somebody started speaking to me in Spanish, um, in an Uber, for example, I could hold a simple conversation because they thought like, oh, Katarina, that's that's not, uh, you know, that's like a Latin American name. And I said, well, among other things, yes, but it's also an Eastern European name. So, yeah, but that's that's actually, well, I mean, I used to learn German. I used to be able to speak German at a like B1 level. Oh, is this at school? Yes. And I was obsessed with Germany. I... I had been dreaming about moving to Germany, you know, I was sleeping and dreaming about going to Berlin and hmm. I knew all the lands of Germany, you know. But then yeah. when I was um, entering the university, I was not admitted to the English-German group, but to English-only group. Mm-hmm. So, and pff, off it went, my dream to go to Germany and move. But uh, what's your favorite German dialect? Do you like... Um, Swiss German? Oh, do you like oh, Southern? We are not I have no, so much into like, No, yeah. 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 So they all have different, they're completely different. Do you different have a favorite English, English accent? It'd have to be an Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> they, it's so they're, they're really funny accents. I love them. Have you noticed how recently there's been some kind of a popularity maybe for the Northern accent? Well, yeah, of course, there's so many different Northern accents as well. So. Yeah, um, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I, mean, I was I, watching I could, the Peaky but... Blinders. God, I was just sitting like, oh, God, I love the way, you know, they sound. Yeah, the Brum accent, the Birmian accent. Mm. Yeah, I used to be able to differentiate those because when I was at university, we had 400 hours of phonetics. So and we were taught how to, you know, to tell all those accents apart, you know, the Liverpool, Birmingham's, well, of course, Scottish, Welsh and whatnot. And I used to be able to do that, but... Then, you know, the moment I graduated, it kind of... Yes, it's actually quite hard for non-native English speakers to differentiate between... I've never been able to differentiate and I I still am not. I could probably, like, distinguish, well, an American guy and a British guy, but that's it. Uh, No nuances, no details, and just maybe because I was taught... Uh, like you know what is called like proper <laughs> British like RP, accent. RP received yes. pronunciation. Yeah, RP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to love you know when people when I was in the US or when I was in other countries and people ask me where are you from I usually ask them where do you think I'm from mm-hmm. oh and then the fun began because they like well you're definitely not an American because of the accent so you are not. Probably not British either. So, and then, you know, they were limited to the amount of countries. They're like, definitely Europe, mm-hmm. but not Spain. Okay, you have blue Eastern Europe, but, you know, it was mostly because of the eyes and the name then. Because they're like, what's your name? I said, Katrina. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, okay, then Eastern Europe. That sounds like a like an Eastern European name. But okay. I still cherish the moment when I was in London <laughs> in a pub and I started talking to a woman. She was an English teacher. Um working somewhere in London. And I said, yeah, I currently teach, you know, uh, substitute a professor at university. She's like, well, that one, 
And she, you know, pointed at a university like across the road. I'm like, oh God, no, in Russia. She's like, you're not a London. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is the best moment in my life and I'm going to remember it forever. <laughs> and then I went to the US and my British accent went down the hill. So no, yeah, not anymore. Not well, anymore. I was sad a couple of times that when I speak English, I sound French. I don't know. <clears throat> well, I mean, when people learn English, I, I love to encourage people to retain their accent, provided that they speak English with a... Yeah, that mm-hmm. they speak that they speak proper English, correct English with proper imitation. But it's really cool when you retain your accent. And I love hearing French people, for instance, speak English. It's so cool. You know, I I actually I agree with you because I think Marjorie, you have had students too who said, "I want to change my pronunciation. I want to sound, you know, differently," because they think that if they have a bit of an a bit of an accent, that would be you know horrible. They would be looked down at. And I always give an example of uh, professors whom I had a chance to meet, you know, professors from Columbia University, Yale, Harvard. And uh, let's say there is an amazing professor from Yale. She has very thick Russian accent. Does it make her less honorable, respected? No. Absolutely. And if anything, it's, it's really cool and people respect it even more hearing that you have an accent and that you learn to language at yeah. such a well, high level. I mean, I don't want to pretend uh, <coughs> being anyone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm Russian and I, I will be no matter which country I live in. And I mean, I'm not ashamed of it and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be. So why should I hide yeah. it? I yeah. mean, if I'm com- comprehensible, then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. As long as you're understood, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, learning languages, have you noticed, well, Ben, you have not been teaching English for that long. Not probably, too long, But yeah. uh, Marsha, have you ever ask, been asked, you know, by students like, oh, but you know, I've seen the ad which says that I will, <laughs> you know, I will learn English within three months, oh. four months, you know, oh. to being fluent so what do you think about that? And uh, It's not that I really have had such students who truly believed in this. Mm-hmm. Can I say this word bullshit here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, there is a, a lot of this um, rubbish on, on the internet. Uh, it has been for a while and uh, maybe now it, it's not that much of it, but still you can... You can find it, but I think that people tend uh, to stop believing it mm-hmm. now because people are starting to realize that you need to put your efforts into studying and into mastering a language, whatever language it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's impossible, you know, to just learn it within a couple yes. of months. And, you know, when my students are, are really my students, I mean, when uh, it has been some time, uh, not like the first class, uh, I can say that, guys, if you ever meet anyone who says that you know, they will teach you any language in like a month or so, just run away because mm-hmm. they are frauds. They are like, mm-hmm. they are cheating on you. So it, it doesn't mean then that I want you guys uh to have me as your teacher forever mm-hmm. no but mm-hmm. please pick up and well think. be reasonable yeah. yeah 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 learning a language is a long marathon and it's not something that oh, of course you can learn the basics in three months of course you can learn how to sustain a very basic conversation mm-hmm. but fluency absolutely no way yeah and it's not a bad thing that uh it's like a um <clears throat> life lasting process i mean mm-hmm. it's a good thing i love it i love studying and i love the process of like uh, constant development so it, it's not something that is discouraging yeah and you know sometimes my students ask me like when will i be able to you know to masterfully use the articles and never have to think about them and i said <gasps> sorry oh. never if we speak yeah, about articles it's... absolutely never because this is the topic I've just had with several of my students and they're like, when, when is this going to happen? I said, um, look, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, just articles and it. prepositions are very, mm-hmm. yeah, very difficult for non-native English speakers. It's, it's a problem I frequently see with students, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. As long as you can communicate effectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially for us who like uh, speak Russian language, which is uh, uh, which belongs to the Slavic languages. In the Slavic languages, we don't have articles at all. Yeah. That's why. But we have case. 
We have, but we hmm, we were immersed into <laughs> them like from the yeah. very early early age. Well, so, technically, English does have a genitive case. Yeah. Technically, mm-hmm. so apostrophe s that is so that's true. Kind of like yeah. If you go deep into case. the linguistic science, yeah. yeah. So, and what can be the common struggles then of learning a language? Well, of course, with English, it's articles is the first struggle that comes to mind. But in general, well, feeling like you're embarrassed. The reason why many people find it difficult to speak is because they feel they'll make an idiot out of themselves. And oh yeah, especially when it comes to adults, because children are used to studying. Uh, and they are used to like constant learning, but adults, they feel ashamed of speaking and they're like, well, I'm a respected specialist in my sphere. And when I come mm-hmm. to an English class, like suddenly uh, it doesn't matter yeah, anymore. I, uh, I am into some like mm, valley, uh, like I was on the top, uh, on, mm-hmm. on top of the mountain in my sphere, but now I'm somewhere down deep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What other struggles can, can there be? Remembering vocab, essentially, vocab retention really is an issue, especially if the language you're learning is completely unrelated to your mother tongue. So mm-hmm. I, I've never studied Korean, but I can imagine that's completely different. You've and studied Chinese. Yeah. Well, and they're, they're not related Chinese and Korean. I mean, very I mean, in I some mean, ways. But... I mean, in a way that it's still different from, uh, oh, yeah, from English, English or yeah. from Portuguese. Yeah. Because of the characters and everything. Yeah. Or Russian, totally different alphabet. Yeah, R- Russian takes takes a long time because mm-hmm. with Italian, you can kind of, I mean, not always, but you can kind of guess what a word's going to be. Mm. Whereas with Russian, you can't really do that. So what, ha- what have been your struggles with Russian? With Russian, it, I'm trying to think, I mean... Of course, there's, there's a lot of struggles. It's not so much the pronunciation, even though sometimes that is an issue. So, for instance, the word Zgliad, which is to glance. Lots of consonants, yes, yeah, together. The consonants mm-hmm. take a while. Um, the biggest issue would have to be prepositions, to be honest, sometimes. Prepositions. Yeah, prepositions can be quite an issue. So do you say cases? But- cases are actually not too difficult because they have an order. Also remembering the genitive plural uh, of, um, yeah, Russian, yeah, Russian nouns can be really difficult. Although, yeah, um, if you separate all the words into groups, that becomes way easier. Yeah. Like, you know, if nominative singular ends with a vowel, you're like, oh, yeah. just drop the vowel that it is. I mean, the process of learning Russian, you just have to accept things are just the way they are you have to <laughs> you just have to accept it just accept suffer yeah. and memorize exactly after you get over the case system it's actually not too i mean it's not easy but it's not too difficult it's, it's sometimes the endings are difficult mm-hmm. but russian is a very logical language which is probably why i mean it's a deep philosophical argument which is probably why russia produces so many chess players so many mathematicians that's an interesting so, point. It's a very logical language. Is it? It's. I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't say so, to be honest. Well, we have we have rules, but we also have lots of exceptions. So does there are English. exceptions, but I think English more so than yeah. Russian. Interesting. That's yeah. why this rule that you mentioned, I think it's uh, it can be applied to uh, English as well. Like, don't ask why. Just ask how, and remember how it works. Don't yeah. ask why. Don't go into that depth. Oh, may I, may I share the story about struggles of learning Russian? Yeah. So um, I was now in the spring teaching the second semester of Russian. So and in the first, and I still remember, it happens every year. When uh, students start learning Russian, they ask, and they ask me multiple times, Katya, what's the Russian for to go? Oh, God, yeah. That's and every time nuisance. I said, you're not ready for it yet. You're not ready for it yet. At the end of the first semester, they learn that there are four different verbs. They're like, oh, Jesus. Okay. After a month of, you know, really hard going through all the exercises, they say, okay, we are now cool. We know Russians' verbs of motion. We know that they are multidirectional, unidirectional. We are cool. There are four of them. And, you know, they also conjugate horribly. Then they start their second semester of Russian and they find out that there are also prefixes like поехал, уехал, заехал. And that's when they go crazy. Yeah, the prefixes are really... 
I mean, yeah. it is logical. It, but there are just so many of them. Yeah. And then sometimes you would think like, okay, let's say we we just had a lesson on it like two weeks ago with my with my Russian learners. And I was showing them videos and I was asking them, what is going on in the video? And then you would think, okay, I know that the prefix is added to the verb. Then we conjugate the verb the way we usually do. Now, the verb yezdit. If we're talking about it or he, we would say on yezdit. Logical, right? But why is it? And we had a verb and they said, I'm like, ah, I understand why you would think that. But it's absolutely none of that. So why is it right? No logic. Well, and the same uh, situation is with uh, uh, when Russian learners uh, start to study English, but uh, it's uh, about prepositions. Yeah, yeah so In Russian, oh, yeah. it's prefixes, but in English, it's prepositions. It's like, yeah. For example, the favorite quotation marks verb is get. Oh, yeah, oh. there's so many different... Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> depending like on the preposition, it can be anything. And uh, uh, the first meaning they get is like, uh, get, получать. Um, But then they understand that there are multiple Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have a student who's now at a pre-intermediate level and we got into all these phrasal verbs and she's like, I hate them. I hate them with all my heart. I'm like, but no, but think about it. You can, you know... Uh, express so many ideas with their help. So, but... Well, I know at the bookstore Capital, I just bought a book of the 100 or 100 phrasal verbs in English. Um, obviously, it's in Russian, but mm -hmm. it's a good book. So if anyone wants to buy that book, go mm -hmm. to Capital. <laughs> Do they have like uh, exercises? No exercises. Just, just a list? It's just a list. It's just a list. <laughs> Sounds scary. <laughs> it's a good book. It's a good book. It's really short. So it's only a hundred phrasal verbs, but yeah. So one of the most common struggles, no matter the language, as Ben has mentioned, is um, the language barrier. Mm -hmm. So what would you advise to people who have this language barrier? How can, how can they, well, slash we overcome it? Well, for instance, what you're talking about if you go to a hotel and the person doesn't speak your, or the receptionist doesn't speak your native language, is that what you mean? Or No, I mean, it's general? when you learn a language, let's say with a teacher, and you're okay with speaking with your teacher because you know them, but you're terrified of speaking to somebody else, especially a native speaker. Well, I had it, uh, and like I totally had it. When I was at school, I was good at English, and it was a gymnasium with like uh, deep knowledge of mm -hmm. English and um, a bit of French, and then I went to this university, uh, the Faculty of Foreign Languages, and I knew, uh, you know, linguistic the linguistic science and phonetics and grammar oh my god grammar yes theoretical grammar practical grammar theoretical phonetics practical phonetics stylistics, theoretical grammar uh, the history of the language everything but i was afraid of speaking with um for example once we had um guests from germany even not from england they were from germany and uh, i was afraid of speaking with them because of this language barrier Mm. Yeah, I guess it can be very intimidating. Um, for instance, when I started learning Russian, I came to Russia for the first time. Well, obviously, Russia is renowned for its serious faces. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you go to the supermarket and they say something like, have you got R? <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, you don't know what they're saying and they have a serious face. And <laughs> You're afraid to smile at them, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, just... yeah. <laughs> Which is quite funny. In well, France, too, they're very serious as well. But, yeah. yeah. To be honest, I still do not know how to overcome this language barrier because every time I have an opportunity to speak Spanish, and I remember during our classes, we had a guest, uh, Mario, and he would come and say something in Spanish, and I would just look at him, nod, and say, uh, uh, hola. And that's it. And I was terrified of speaking because I thought, what if I make, you know, an idiot out of myself and Mario will think I'm... I'm an, I'm an idiot. I don't know. It's well, just something you have to accept. You, you will sound like an idiot. And it's something you just have to... It's just part of... It's like jumping out of a plane, I guess. And you know you just what I've noticed, though? Um, if you talk to adults and say... If I'm... Well, I mean, you speak in their native language and you say, if I make a mistake, could you please correct me? And they would say, oh, you speak... You, you know, you speak so nice. You know, there was... 
you know, that mistake maybe, but usually they won't even correct you. If you speak to a child, they'll be like, you know, you say something like, ha, you made yes. such a dumb mistake. You, they will laugh at you. They're cruel, like all the time. Seriously, kids don't have borders like that and boundaries like that. Yes, I was trying to explain the word doll to a student of mine who's I think eight years old mm -hmm. and he, he just wasn't understanding doll 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 and I was pointing at a doll I said cool <laughs> cool and I couldn't pronounce it right and he was like he was laughing so much <laughs> actually it wasn't doll it was a puppet theater so oh cool theater and it was cool theater or something and he, he was laughing so much at me yeah kids yeah. Absolutely do But that. it probably means that these kids are not going to have this language barrier. Because nowadays kids are not afraid of speaking a foreign language because like the boundaries are open and we are more like, um, well, we go global. And I would say that in general, kids are not afraid of, you know, making mistakes. And that's what we have to learn from them. Yeah, well, because when I was a um, schoolgirl and we were studying English, it was somehow not real. Mm -hmm. It was uh, some... English from a book. And I couldn't uh, mm. fully realize that people really speak it. Well, I knew it, but I couldn't uh, like embrace this it knowledge. It was so distant. Yes, it like... was distant. And, and I didn't uh, think of going to a country like uh, to practice it. And uh, well, um, we didn't have uh, native speaking teachers or even visitors. So it mm -hmm. was somehow artificial. Yeah, it must, now it's it's difficult. it's a different story. Now we have so many resources to, mm -hmm. to yes, because of pop culture, because of the internet. So now I guess we have less language barrier. Oh, just yeah, a long time ago I read a Dostoevsky translation in English, and it was written by this lady called Constance Garnett. This was back in the early 20th century, I guess, mm -hmm. and I just have no idea how she would have even fathomed learning Russian. It's just so difficult with, I mean, I don't know how she would have found any kind of resources to learn Russian, mm -hmm, let mm -hmm. alone travel to Russia. And she translated all these long Dostoevsky books. And yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I have a question. Um, so do you think it's possible actually to achieve fluency or, you know, a relatively good level of language without visiting the country of your target language? Um, no. No. No, I, I think, well, may, maybe you can, as long as you're like immersed in the language. So for mm -hmm. instance, if you, if you um, are surrounded by people who speak that language, then yes, you can. Yes, you can, but you have to be surrounded by people okay. on a constant basis, or you have to have constant access to materials. Mm -hmm. If you don't, oh, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. If you don't, then it's going to be an almost impossible task. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? Well, I think that I somehow managed to uh, because <clears throat> for, well, due to several reasons, I wasn't able to uh, go to the US or to uh, Great Britain. I was going to last year, but you know what happened. And um, so I was going to, I was about to have a three-week course uh, in methodology, but yeah. I, I, well, I, but even at that point, like last year, uh, I um, was able to realize that it won't help me to master my English, uh, like in terms of grammar or vocabulary or something, but just to be close. I wanted to be closer to the culture because mm -hmm. language, every language is very closely connected to the culture of a country. Mm -hmm. that, that's what I wanted to... When, when you were learning English, how much like access to materials did you have? Were you, so how much did you surround yourself with the English you language? You know, it, it was a long trip. <laughs> it yeah, was a long obviously journey. Obviously you're fluent in English. And um, you never... And this there. fluency, which now I obtain, maybe uh, came... It's strange, but it came not at university. Uh, it came after I graduated from university because I knew a lot of stuff after graduation. And, well, we had good teachers, good professors, nothing to complain about. But um, this huge language barrier um, and this, um, you know, inner inconvenience and, like, be, being afraid of speaking it um, passed only maybe when i started to work here in novosibirsk when i moved from my native town uh, here to novosibirsk and 
Well, maybe even when I started to work uh, at Big Apple School, because mm-hmm. here we are surrounded by lots mm-hmm. of native speaking teachers. And I mean, it really helped me to overcome the language barrier because I just stopped being afraid of making mistakes. I just didn't have time. <laughs> to, to worry yeah, about that. To worry about no, that. to worry about mistakes. Yeah, so I, I, I needed to react. I needed to respond. I needed mm-hmm. to help, for example, mm-hmm. someone. And, um, well, because I also work as a methodologist, so I needed to help um, teachers uh, from, let's say, Great Britain, from the mm-hmm. U.S. to adapt here in Russia. And, well, I, I, I didn't have time to... Mm, to worry, to worry about my mistakes, which I obviously still make, but I I'm all right. Okay, very almost rarely, all right rarely, with yeah. it, <laughs> of course. You know, when uh, you then said like, oh, it's impossible at first, my reaction was like, well, well, we'll see about that. But then you said, unless you are constantly, you know, surrounded, yeah, yeah. you know, and exposed to different materials and language. And because yeah. I have examples of lots of English teachers in Russia. Like, for example, when I was at university, I didn't have a chance to go to um, any country until it was in my last year uh, or in my fourth year, actually. Uh, But then and until then, you know, I still managed to reach a certain level and I was speaking. Maybe I did have a little bit of a language barrier, but still I was able to speak with more or less good flow. So, which means that it is possible. But then when my students ask me, you know, how can we achieve the same level that you have? And I said, look, we have a little bit of a different background because for five years of my life, I spent 10, 12 hours a day. Yes, dedication. It's all down to dedication, motivation. Exactly. If, yeah. if that had been two hours a day, probably I wouldn't have been, you know, where I was after graduation. So, yeah. but it was 10 hours because... Just like Marsha said, we had, you know, all this phonetics, grammar, practice of oral and written speech, translation, all of that. And everything was in English. So yeah, whether we want it or not. Because no, obviously you both are essentially almost native. <laughs> like, oh, stop. So, so, but, but thank you. But yeah, but in order to learn a language to that level, you have to be dedicated. Like It's like true. You, both of you were and you have to be yeah. well i don't consider myself as like a native or like, well, well, like i don't C2 pretend level, to be yeah, yeah well i know that i'm c1 plus because i have my <laughs> certificate yeah <laughs> but i don't know like how uh, above this level i am now because i haven't been <laughs> formally assessed yet well yeah i mean the most important thing is you have to be completely dedicated you have to put in a lot mm-hmm. of hours it's not something that you can just buy a be fluent in english in yeah. three months course yeah it's, not, it's not that you can buy this course on instagram that they advertise mm-hmm. like you 20 know, hours and you will understand all the grammar oh yeah i've seen that uh, 20 hours oh that's a long time because i've recently seen three hours and all grammar explained yeah 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 or oh, three hours just... and we will uh show you how to pretend to be a native speaker <laughs> How to pretend. Oh, lovely. But yeah, it's funny that you said that you did English at university. uh, Because when I studied Russian at university, I didn't really... I'd left the university not speaking that much Russian. Mm -hmm. And I worked in a hotel for, I think, just under two years. And most of my colleagues there, they were from Latvia and Lithuania. And they all spoke together in Russian. Mm. I learned so much more Russian working in the hotel than I... (laughs) <laughs> did it uni- yeah it's it's yeah. reasonable yeah. yeah yeah and it was quite embarrassing because i left university not knowing the word for like utyug or halat or oh i mean these. look that's then, uh, these things yeah. so uh are only things that you get to learn when you actually start leaving i believe because let's say maybe Marsha will agree but i have had so many uh students with advanced level who said we know so many things like basically everything yeah. i'm like Okay, so what's the English for Lodzhka yeah. Leobovi? And they're like, yeah. mm. and then I ask some more things and they're like, okay, we got a point. Yeah, but at the same time, yeah, sorry for interrupting. If, I, if I'm interrupting, uh, uh, when you are advanced or when you're fluent, okay, let's say when you're fluent, you're able uh, to express yourself even without knowing this exact term. That's true. That's, That's the thing. So if your communication uh, didn't fail, it means that mm-hmm. you succeeded and it means that but you're 
level is. Yeah, but my point right. is about Ben saying that he didn't know these words. Yeah, the thing is that sure. we usually do not even learn these words at school or, you know, at language yeah. courses because there's no need to. We learn about um, other things and then you start really using these words only when you need them. And you need them when you move or let's say you are in a country. Because when yeah. I was uh, when I was in Britain, I had to explain somehow that I, well, that I, let's say I don't need the keys. I'm going to call... Mm-hmm. And then there was like, you know, my mind yeah. went like, because I didn't know the English for Damafon. And yeah. I had to explain myself, you know, and that's how I learned forever, I think, words like intercom. Um, oh, and I keep mixing the stress in this one, even though I know the word colander. Colander. Oh, colander, yeah. Colander. See, yeah. I did that again. So. Yeah, colander, save, you can Because they're not it, frequent yeah. words. Exactly. But I still, you know, I wouldn't have even memorized them if I wasn't in the situation yeah. when I had to explain this. Yeah, so that was one of my first words that I learned when I came here. So I got off the plane. I bought all these pelmeni. I didn't know what to do with the pelmeni. <laughs> oh, Ben and <laughs> so his like, love for pelmeni, right, a love how- story. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned, what was it? Si- sita. Yamagaron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm. like that was my no. Anyway. I wouldn't say sita. Yeah, it's, say for, sita? it's for flour. Is it for flour? Yeah, sita is sieve, so it's for like for flour yeah. for sugar. But that would you would need a more <laughs> horrible word, which is durschlag. Durschlag. Oh, that's a new word for me. So I think it comes brought, from German. Yeah, it does sound like German. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, a lot of Durschlag. German words have um, have influenced Russian, like the word Landschaft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many words. Yeah. So what do you think are some of the most difficult languages in the world? Hungarian, Korean, um, Japanese. Yeah, Mongolian. No, I, I would agree. Mongolian? I yeah. didn't even think of Mongolian yeah. as a language in general. I'm sorry. Finish, <laughs> For finish all the fellow Australian. Mongolians listening. Yeah. yeah. I would say like uh, almost all Scandinavian, maybe all Scandinavian languages like mm-hmm. Danish, Swedish. Icelandic uh, is said to be Norwegian. extremely difficult as well. Yeah, it's distant. I, I believe Hungarian, Finnish, Estonian are all distantly related, and Icelandic somewhere somehow has some kind of relation to it. Mm. Another really difficult language is Basque. Have you yeah, heard, yeah, you yeah. Know Basque. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, I, I, as far one? as I know, it, uh, it, it just has no connection to any other European language at yeah. all. That's why it's where so. is it spoken? So is it in the France and Spain, there's a little oh. region. Called Basque it, country. It, 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 yeah, it used to be a yeah. Basque mm. country. Interesting, yeah. And so compared to that, maybe mm. Arabic. Arabic is very difficult, yeah. I really want to learn Arabic at some point, to be honest. Yeah. I find it beautiful. It but sounds at the same very time, satisfying, yeah. But at the same time, I know the struggle because let's say if you learn Arabic, you have to make a choice. What Arabic are you learning? Because yeah. Arabic in Morocco and Arabic in Tunisia are different. I think uh, the same about Chinese, right? Yeah, and the Mandarin Chinese or dialects, yeah. Some other. Yeah. Oh, so which is why, Benjamin, you're lucky that Russian has no dialects. It's just Russian. It is great. Except Even for the Caucasus. Like they have a difference in the Caucasus. Sometimes they say Yahavaru. But it's more but like, it's like uh, s- just pronunciation. And it's separate sounds, I would say, but yeah. it's not a complete, it's you know, not complete maybe no- north of Russia. Yeah, they tend to pronounce these or sounds more yeah. clearly. But yeah, there's only some small things. Yeah, but other than that. Mm. Oh, I swear there was a word in Novosibirsk for, what was it? It's like a filer, um, multi. Fora. Multifora. Multifora. I had yeah. to learn this word yeah, when yeah. I moved here. You told me about was, this, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but other than that. It's all the same language, which yeah. is fantastic, I believe. You know, I sometimes envy people who are um, from places where their language is nearly the same as other languages. Because let's say I have a friend and she speaks five languages. She was born in Azerbaijan, yeah. which means that she speaks Azerbaijan at the oh, same Turkish, time. Turkish, yeah. Turkish, yeah. exactly. So and then she moved to Novosibirsk, which is Russian, and she studied at the Faculty of Foreign Languages, which means she now speaks fluently English and French. Yeah. Always envied her. Mm-hmm. And the same, and then you know we have Azerbaijan, um, Turkish, Tatar, because yeah. it's the same Yakutian from the same family. I remember when I went to Kazan and we were comparing the languages and we were counting from one to ten, nearly the same. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I, I believe the same uh, in Azerbaijan and Turkish. Yeah, it's the same if you live in the Czech Republic or Czechia now. And Slovakian is almost exactly the same mm-hmm. as is like Serbian, Croatian, Bosnian. 
Oh, it's like, you know, this joke, like, how do you know so many languages? Oh, I'm from the, you know, so- Southern Slavic countries. It's like, learn one, get yeah. five for free. <laughs> it is, yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, um, when people learn the language and, you know, like people differ in the way they perceive information. So, and we know that there are people who are more of auditory people. There are more of visual learners. There are more of kinesthetic learners. So what kind of a learner are you? How is it easier for you to perceive information? I'm quite a kinesthetic visual learner. Yeah. Yeah. The same for me. Well, I don't know which type of learner I am, but uh, as a person, I, I am a kinesthetic person. So I need to touch. Of course, there's no way that you're just, people are just one. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Some of one. But also quite often, I found that I remember words when I'm embarrassed by not knowing a word. Oh, I think that's just, it's it's just me with a colander and, you know, intercom forever. You're going to remember that forever because you have a brain neuron, which is linked to fear. Yeah. Like, oh, I was embarrassed when I didn't know. Yeah. The same way I remember the word moving, because when I was at university, you know, I was sent a song by a friend of mine who's an Australian. And I'm like, oh, I love this song. It's so moving. He's like, are we talking about the same song right now? I'm like, well, you know, really make me want to move. He's like, oh, honey, (laughs) that's not what moving means. You know, students even didn't believe me a couple of times that uh, the word moving means what it means. Uh, uh, And uh, in one book, we have two words, dramatic and moving. And they keep um, confusing them. And they really <laughs> checked in a dictionary because they didn't believe me. Well, I'm going to remember this word forever because of the embarrassment that I felt. Yeah. So since you're both um, kinesthetic versus visual learners, how do you use that? I mean, in what way is it easier for you to remember words, maybe, or constructions when you learn a language? I still use this old school method of uh, making lists and putting these papers somewhere in my house mm-hmm. or t- uh, not TV, computer screen, fridge, inside the fridge, on the toilet. Yeah, yeah the post-it notes, that's a great mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some people just learn through crazy repetition. I had a student who couldn't say the word fire extinguisher and he, he's struggling a little bit with retaining vocab, but he remembers this word because I said, and I said it 20 times and he just kept on repeating fire extinguisher. Now he always remembers this word. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. I think I would be annoyed by yeah. by doing this, he by, yeah, by <laughs> then it hearing it yeah. the same again and he, again. He, he remembers well, it now. May, well, so. in my mind, maybe it wouldn't stack. I, I, what yeah. I need, I need to write things down. So I With need to use my motor mm-hmm. skills. Um, yeah, that's yeah. how I w- was learning things at school. For example, when we needed to learn a poem by heart, I needed to write it down. Oh, I'm more of a visual, which means sometimes, you know, it's annoying, but sometimes I don't remember the word itself or the phrase itself, but I remember where I saw it Absolutely. and what, yeah. pa- you know, place in my yes. notebook or something. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. no, I don't need the place. I need the word itself. Brain, what you doing? So I don't think anyone could be 100% auditory, 100% oh, no. visual. No, or, I don't think so. Yeah, so it's like... No, it's no, always no. a mix. Yeah. There are people who are more of auditory learners. So they usually, you know, that's... They, they listen to podcasts. They listen yeah. to different audios. They remember things. How? I mean... But of course, then they would still need to see the word to know how it's written or something. Yeah. Okay. And um, in the world of, you know, these hundreds and thousands of different languages, do you think that there's ever going to be a universal language, a universal lingua franca? And is English? Well, that? not within the next hundred years. Definitely not within the next hundred years. Well, uh, um, if we speak or. Uh, uh, about this term lingua franca, uh, I guess it's more about like some um, universal language for business, for communication, for understanding. But it doesn't mean that other languages uh, are going to disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a global yeah, communication yeah, a universal language. One, one universal language for everyone. I, I, think, I, I think English still is. It has been yeah. for some time and it, it still is. Mm-hmm. So, in, uh, do you know anything about Esperanto? Yes, there was there were yeah. attempts to create. Well, it was created like mm-hmm. an artificial no, I language think by but- a Polish scientist, or maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I think I think perhaps you are correct. Yeah, it was developed for the European Union, or I think back in the day it was called the European Community, 
And I think it was developed in order to foster harmony between the European nations. And yeah, it was a failed language, but I think only about a thousand people speak it natively. Something. Some people speak it natively. Oh yeah, some people have learned it to a native standard, but it's like a thousand people. Wow, I yeah. did not know that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fascinating how some languages can be artificially constructed, if not revived. So if you look at Welsh in the UK, that language was essentially a dead language, mm-hmm. and it was yeah artificially revived by the UK government. Who, or Latin. Yeah, or Latin. Yeah. Well, Latin is yeah. I mean, it ha- it had been dead for for a while, yeah. and then I think I don't think that people speak it, but uh, doctors still use it, medical university, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, some other spheres of science. And I watched, uh, I watched a YouTube video of this guy who was speaking um, almost fluent Latin, which is really quite funny. Which also brings the question: Why? Uh, out of curiosity. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, like, why do people, we learn languages? People true. can learn uh, Klingon, for yeah, example. That is language, also yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. Also true. I know that there are people who, yeah, who do learn languages from uh, from different universes, like Klingon, yeah. like uh, the Thraki. You know, uh, this the Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't know that one. I never watched Game of Thrones. <gasps> <laughs> I I'm didn't. Sorry, I, I still. I'm still. You know, processing <laughs> this information. I didn't know that they had languages of their own. George Martin actually created several languages for while he was creating the uh, Westeros, the world of Westeros. So the Dothraki being one of them. Not not limited to to it only, but there are other languages as well. Well, I never saw the film Avatar, but apparently a language was created for that film. There was a language. Apparently, I, it came out so long ago. I don't even remember. Wow. Yeah, I never watched it because it, it didn't appeal to me. But you know, I recently came across a picture which was like, if you are from uh, Eastern European country, you would definitely understand it. And there was a text, and I was like, "What language is it?" Because I do understand it. And apparently, somebody created uh, an artificial language that would be understandable to all the Slavic uh, language speakers. So be that, you know, Czech or Polish, because mm-hmm. it has elements of all of them. And you know, you look at a word, and it's looks familiar you know it's not from russian but it looks familiar you understand it i'm like what kind of magic is that how do i understand it word order parts of speech yeah yeah and prefixes suffixes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah have you ever heard about the book i think it's called lingo 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 probably no no. if you ever have time um it's a fascinating reading because it's a non-fiction book about languages mm-hmm. you know if you want to know why esperanto failed to be a, a universal language or what is common between armenian language and a platypus have i intrigued you no go on go on <laughs> i'm not gonna to. tell you read the book <laughs> okay so yeah it's it's a really fun book about lots of different languages i think it it discusses 63 different languages in you know different mm-hmm. aspects so if we attach this uh, question of why Esperanto failed to be a global language, I think maybe it's also because it has no connection to any culture, to any nation that is at true. all. That is true. No background. So then do we need a universal artificial language then? Because language... Artificial, is- maybe no. No. Just a lingua franca uh, that, uh, well, it should be an existing language, mm-hmm, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easier when people understand each other. Mm, but of course, teaching English as a lingua franca, it's a bit different because uh, we focus on communication rather mm-hmm. than on street grammar rules here. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, yeah, taking a language that already exists and slightly modifying it. So if you look at the Soviet Union and Russian, obviously Russian was slightly modified throughout the Soviet Union. I mean, the Russian alphabet changed drastically since... Um, since I believe, well, for instance, if you look at like Ukrainian, drastically? not drastically, but if you look at Ukrainian, <laughs> how they still use the eyes, uh-huh. I believe that was used in. I Russia think we before. just get rid of one or two. Letters. Not drastically, <laughs> but it was. Yeah, there were changes. Of course, we're being a little bit dramatic. Yeah, here. yeah. we have only thirty-three. Yeah, it's yeah. But yeah, I mean, because then artificial language will have nothing to offer except for just. A means of communication, whereas very often we learn language because of the culture 
of the country or countries. Yeah. For example, why people want to learn Italian? Like, because maybe they uh, love or appreciate opera and theater and maybe it's maybe the language of love for them. Mm -hmm. The same maybe for French. Like, it sounds so beautiful. Same for, same for Russian, actually. I, ha yeah. I have had um, a certain number of students who started learning Russian because they fell in love with literature. Mm -hmm. Again, um, I remember mentioning the example of a student of mine who was majoring in biochemistry, which was, you know, already horrible enough. I mean, hard <laughs> enough because it's double major, it's biochemistry. And then she had some uh, spare time, you know, and you have to take subjects that are not related to your major. So you, you know, broaden your horizons. So she decided to take um, Russian literature with one of our professors. She fell in love with the literature. She fell in love with Russian. After that, she took up an intensive course, some other courses. Now she has... Uh, double major in biochemistry and a minor in Russian. I mean, who would have thought? So, yeah, and it's that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Are there any languages that you want to learn? I mean, Benjamin definitely wants to learn all of them, apparently, being <laughs> yeah. a polyglot. I'm, try, I'm trying to think the number one language to learn. It would have to be... I mean, Korean is fascinating. I'd like to learn Korean, but that's not an easy language. It's not. Yeah. It's not. So you, you need to prepare yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'm happy learning Russian right now. It's, it's the coolest language. Oh, that's language. why you're here. Yeah. That's why I always speak to you in Russian only. Well, yeah. I try to. <laughs> Marie, well, what about you? Is there a language you would like to learn? Uh, I would like to come back to learning French or German because uh, just I don't want all the effort... Okay, not much of an, of an effort, but still uh, some effort. Uh, I don't want it to be in vain. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, <clears throat> maybe Spanish. Uh, well, I'm considering European languages mainly because I am not sure that I will succeed in, let's say, Asian languages. Well, Spanish is actually more widespread than some of other European languages. Yeah, sure, it is. It's like, I guess it's number two, like English, Spanish and Mandarin Chinese. They are like the, the big three. Arabic is in the top three as well, yeah. Yeah, I want to, uh, and I want to learn Spanish more because, you know, I'm, I have been learning it for like so many years on and off. You know, it's been more than six years now. I started... I gave up, I started, I stopped. I had two semesters of Spanish at an American university, then I again did nothing. I just want to finally reach a proper level of, let's say, B2, C1, because I'm not giving up an idea that, you know, one day I might end up in Argentina and live there. Mm -hmm. So, and if I, if I do, I will need Spanish, even though Argentinian's pronunciation, Argentinian pronunciation is a little bit different you know so what attracts you to argentina is it the beef is it the, the among weather? other things yeah. not the weather i the don't wine. like hot weather but i'll tell you about that after the podcast to save a little bit of an intrigue you know but in general argentina is a very friendly country so yeah and i still you know want to learn a little bit of arabic at some point i don't know i, I love the way it sounds It is a very yeah. The sounds are very satisfying. Just, just something about it, yeah. And I have I have a friend. She's she's from Tunisia. And she's a blogger, so she posts a lot of things. But she only posts things in Arabic, so she speaks Arabic. And I just turn the sound on. I'm like, oh, I love the way it sounds. I have no idea what you're saying, but I love the way it sounds. The writing, the script is really cool. I would find it extremely hard to um, to to learn. I think the writing. Yeah, and especially, you know, given that it's from right to left and not yeah. from left to right. But that's, you know, that's the... That's the magic. Yeah, the attraction of it. Okay, and speaking of, you know, teachers. So there is this constant debate, I think, as to what is better, to have a native speaker as a teacher or a non-native speaker as a teacher. So what do you, what do you think? I think you need both, to be honest. You need to be motivated to get to a certain level. And the best way to do this is to have a non-native teacher show you the way. And then, of course, get like advanced speaking practice with a native teacher. So if you, for instance, um, so when I was learning Russian, I, well, I still am learning Russian, but I came across some English speakers who spoke Russian to a really high level. And I thought, I want to be like this person. Well, not mm -hmm. like this person, but I want to speak to that level is so cool 
So you need a mixture of both. Maria, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree. For example, when I was a kid, uh, I I think that we should have had some native speaking teachers just to check that uh, the language we are uh, we were studying is the correct still language. Still used <laughs> and <it's> still <laughs> yes, yes. But I would agree. You know, I think that uh, at the at the beginning, when you just start, you know, your language journey, it's always better to have a non-native speaker, just because somebody. Yeah. You know, it's important to have somebody who would be able to explain things to you in your language. You know, all the nuances maybe, or, you know, occasionally translate a thing or two. Um, and then you also, because you know that if this person speaks your native language and then has mastered the language, your target language, mm-hmm. that means they know the struggle you are going to go through. And then the higher the level, the better it is, you know, to have a native speaker as, as a teacher. Because then, you know, you... You just need the practice, the speaking practice, you know, to know something yeah. that non-natives might not know, for example. So, yeah. And I think, you know, when I'm thinking about my Spanish, I think I want to have a native speaker as a teacher, but definitely not now. Maybe maybe later. Because when I was in an American university, we still had a an intermediary language of English. When there was something that wasn't clear or something, you know, that needed explaining. So, yeah. So you need you definitely do need a mixture of the two. Yeah, yeah, that would be the best the best combination. Well, lucky you know, if it comes to English, we have both here at Big Apple School, both natives and non-natives. You know. All right, and my last question to you would be: So, what do we have to keep in mind when choosing a teacher? So, native, non-native. Okay. Well, it depends on what level you're at in the language learning process as well. Mm-hmm. So it completely depends on that. If you're really advanced, I would say, yeah, get someone who's either at C2 level or at a native level. Um, but when you're learning basic grammar, it doesn't it doesn't really matter too much if it's a native or non-native speaker. But what are other criteria you might have? You need to trust this person. To yeah. trust this person, yes. okay. You need to, uh, to trust the method that he or she is using and you need to be able to follow the rules that the teacher... Uh, established for you I mm-hmm. mean because um, it's not like you come and say I want you to teach me by this book mm-hmm. I mean you, then you maybe can uh, although there is a method like that though what do you mean I mean isn't there a method in 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 uh, learning languages when a student defines the material and a student chooses what materials you're going to use and the te- teacher just obliges and well, I don't know, probably, but maybe it's not like th- it doesn't maybe go this way. But uh, there is like, of course, uh, the process should be student oriented mm-hmm. and student centered approach, mm-hmm. not like the teacher is the center. No, it's not what I'm talking about. I mean, but if you come to a professional, you need to trust this professional. Okay. So, and if you, if if I asked you to give one piece of advice to our listeners regarding languages, what would that be? Immerse yourself as much as you can in the language. It's Obviously, it's great to come to school and you do need to speak to a teacher or mm-hmm. yeah, or to a native speaker um, to, to learn a language, but you're really only going to learn a language if you're dedicated and you completely immerse yourself in the language. Amen to that. Yeah, Amen. I will absolutely support this idea so uh, like uh, try to use as much content as you can in the language that you are currently studying mm-hmm. i mean uh, because uh, twice or three times a week uh, uh, is obviously not enough to master mm-hmm. uh, i mean it's good it's uh, it's efficient but it's not enough and so you need to surround yourself uh, by this language and also one more thing just relax Mm-hmm. Because studying is fun. Yeah, it make absolutely it, make it is. a pleasant experience. Yeah, especially now when we have so many ways to, you know, immerse in a language. We have YouTube, we have podcasts. For example, there's a great podcast. It's called uh, Big Apple School Podcast. You know, I don't know if you've heard about this, but, you know, great talk. Mm-hmm. But anyway, YouTube, podcasts, books, post-it notes. There are speaking to uh, random people that's on different platforms songs every you name it yeah and the progress will inevitably come Mm -hmm. it will maybe you know you won't be noticing it at first but Mm -hmm. it will be there 
Yeah, listening to music definitely works. So, for instance, yeah, I use um, Michael Krug to help me with my Russian. He's great. <laughs> I mean, his Russian is great. Oh, his is beautiful. <laughs> All right. So, how yeah. much have you learned from him? Well, and recently, what, what, what kind of vocabulary have well, you learned? I was, I was yeah, 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 yeah. So, Bantiki are the little, little bows. Uh-huh. Of course, it's a valos is a lock of golden hair. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Gossi yeah, are yeah, locks right. of hair. So I hope that you are using this vocabulary yeah. <laughs> already. Do you do you often have a chance no, to use no, that? But, <laughs> no, but it's just it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's a great way uh, to learn language. Yeah, what, whatever makes you happy. I mean, not of course, you, Ben, but like you yeah. as, as humans. So. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It was a pleasure to talk about languages. Eee. And to find out that Ben is a polyglot and now feel bad yeah. about not knowing anything. All right. Well, that was the Big Apple School podcast. And today we discussed languages, what struggles we can have while learning a language, uh, what are the most difficult languages in the world, and so on. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you struggle to understand our conversation, you're always welcome to our website, which is bigappleschool.com slash podcast, where you can find full scripts of each episode. So you can read them while listening. Great. So thus you can use both auditory way and the visual way. Fantastic. And if you want to get more content which will help you learn English, you can follow us on the social media such as Instagram, VK, YouTube, Telegram, and so on. We are literally everywhere. Just search our name, which is again, Big Apple School. So that was Katya and my guests for today were Maria and Benjamin. Stay tuned and we'll see you around.